here to sugarcoat I'm sorry about you Too much shelter causes pain Let's just be real honest Things are gonna knock you down Avoidance will not help you out Let's talk it through you, me and you Let's keep it real honest Welcome back to the Real Honest Podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Happy to have you. Um, I'm Samantha. I'm single. I go to church. I have a lot of relationship problems. <laughs> We're discussing all of it. Um, today, talking about finding a church home and how absurdly hard it is. Um, so I realized my first segment I said in the first week was going to be, what's God teaching me this week? And then I did not do that in episodes two, three, or four. Um, so quickly, what God is teaching me right now um, is a lot about prayer because I feel like, I don't want to say that I was mistaught this. I don't know that I was ever actually specifically taught about prayer. So I will say that I grew up thinking that God was basically a genie or a wishing well. And that if I wanted something, I would ask God for it. And God would either give it to me because he likes me or would not give it to me because he didn't like me um, or just didn't want me to have whatever it was. Um, But I have more recently come to understand that God is not a genie or a wishing well. And that verse about God giving you the desires of your heart, it's not saying if you ask God, he will give you whatever you want. It's saying if you seek God as in diligently seek a relationship with him and seek his direction and guidance and wisdom, he will place desires in your heart. So when it says like God will give you desires, it's put them inside of you, not hand you the thousand dollars that you asked for. Um, And so that's been kind of an interesting new perspective that has also been very helpful um, because it also helps me like not pray for stuff. (laughs) And I spend a lot more time praying for wisdom and strength and peace. And it's about, to me, prayer is about changing my perspective or changing me as a person. It's about looking at every situation and thinking like, what is, what is here for me to learn as opposed to, you know, what can I just have to make my life easier or you know, something that I think will be more meaningful, but probably won't be in the end. The topic this week is going to include a series of story times. So let's just dive right in. Um, I will give a quick disclaimer that I want to be very, very clear that I am not church bashing. I'm about to tell you guys about various negative experiences that I have had at various churches. I am not naming any of these churches specifically because I do not think that these are bad churches. I think that all of these churches are serving God's kingdom and they are serving communities that do not include me. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that it was part of my journey to have these experiences to equip me for where I am now. And just because I had bad experiences with specific people at different churches, I don't think that that makes any of these churches bad places as a whole so for those of you that like know me personally and that do know specifically what churches I'm talking about just keep in mind that like I'm not telling these stories for people to like go out and get mad and like boycott the churches or not go there or anything like that because I think that's ridiculous
So starting with the church that I grew up in, um, my family has gone to church forever. My parents have always just said we go to church in this house. Um, I honestly do not have a memory of either of my parents ever talking to me about having a relationship with God and how to cultivate that. It was always very like, we go to church every Sunday. It's non-negotiable. So it's, it's just something that like I've done forever. I think I was in middle school the first time somebody asked me, if I remember this correctly, I was in the seventh grade and a friend was having a sleepover on a Saturday night and I was like, oh, I can't go. I go to church on Sundays. And she was like, why? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. This is what my family does. And she's like, you can't skip one Sunday. Later, I looked back on it and I was like, oh, that was probably an opportunity to like share Christ with her. Um, but I didn't see it as that because I couldn't even say like, I go to church because I like it. It was like, because that's just what my family does. I have to, I don't get to choose. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of me being like, why do I do this? But anyways, I grew up in a it's black church. It's a Baptist church very traditional. They said, come as you are, but it was frowned upon to wear jeans um, or really any casual attire at all. That was kind of confusing to me. I just remember always being uncomfortable on Sundays. You know, it was like having to wear a dress that I didn't want to wear or the uh, like we had to be ushers because it was very important to my parents that we were involved because like you can't just sit and watch church you got to be involved in church so it was just like you know we were we sang in the choir we were ushers um and the choir would like either everyone had to wear black and I would just hate the outfit like I thought the usher you know I think the usher uniform was like a white buttoned down with black pants I just it was ugly and uncomfortable and I just remember like whenever the children's choir was singing we would sit up there with our programs and we would check off the like list of events as things were happening and I was just like counting down the minutes until we got to sing again because <laughs> I loved singing and choir rehearsal was so fun because I had a bunch of friends in the choir and same with ushering it was like the actual act of like opening the door for people to come in and handing out programs and collecting the offering. That was not fun, but you know, it was like all the kids were forced to do it. So we would all like the weeks that we ushered, we all got to hang out in the back pew to be right by the door. And like, that was fun. And we would like draw on each other's programs and like play hangman and like nobody, none of us were ever paying attention. We weren't learning anything. And church was ridiculously long. <laughs> like, I think that Sunday school started at like 8.30, 8.45, and it was round about an hour. And then service started at like 9.45, 10. And if we left the church before 1.30 in the afternoon, it was like an exciting day. <laughs> And I like, you know, so everybody's always starving. It's just like, watch, nothing should be that long. It's not even church specific. Just nothing should be that long. You know what? Except a Taylor Swift concert, because that was three and a half hours of pure perfection. And that could have been longer in my opinion, but it was, it was way too, way too long of church for me. Plus it's like, we were so involved that you have like choir rehearsal every Saturday 
And then there's youth group every Wednesday. You know, it's just like we just were at church too much. And it wasn't fun. Like I remember in Sunday school, I think when I got to high school, my Sunday school teachers started this initiative of taking us out to breakfast where they would give us like so many weeks to memorize so many verses and then they would give us a test. And if you got an A on the test, then you would get to skip Sunday school the following week and one of the teachers would stay and teach Sunday school to all the kids that didn't get an A (laughs) and all the kids that got an A would get to go out to like IHOP or something, you know? And like, so now we're memorizing verses to go to IHOP. It's like, we didn't care about the Bible. We wanted breakfast because we're at church forever and we're starving. And I just remember like the pastor was very long-winded, very loud, yelled a lot, sweated a lot, and I never had any idea what he was saying, and I never had the slightest interest to understand what he was saying. We did have children's church, um, which is like all, I think all the kids would have to sit in regular service, like up until the preaching, and then we had a children's pastor um, that would take all the kids like downstairs, and he would do like a Um, a kid version of a sermon. And I did like him. I liked him a lot. I do think that I learned things from him. But I do very strongly recall that when I got baptized, it had nothing to do with Jesus or God or a relationship or religion at all. Really and truly, it just... It was always a big to-do if an adult got baptized. It was like lost brother of Christ has returned home. Yeah, like people would just talk about it and it was such a big deal because it was abnormal. Like it was weird if an adult got baptized because everyone got baptized round about like end of elementary school, maybe early middle school. So around like nine or 10. And so I was nine <laughs> And literally my friends and I were just like talking about it and we were like, we're about to be too old to get baptized. So we have to like do the thing. And we all wanted to do it together. And so we all got baptized really just to do it together and on the same day. Um, And also you can't take communion unless you've been baptized. And so in children's church, whenever it was communion Sunday, all the kids that had been baptized would get to get up and, you know, have the cracker and the juice and all the kids that hadn't been baptized would have to keep sitting. And it just, it just didn't feel good to be one of the kids that didn't get to get up and take part. So that also um, had to do with it. And then when I was in I guess end of middle school, like the eighth grade is when we got a youth pastor. I should mention this was a really small church, like maybe 200, 300 people. All of the kids were around about the same age. So I think that the church created a children's ministry when we all were old enough to not be in the nursery, but too young to sit in service. So there was children's church and there wasn't a youth ministry. And then when my generation of kids turned like 11, 12, they then created a youth ministry and got us a youth pastor. And, you know, bless his heart. He's a great man. Love him to death. I don't know how much Bible he really taught us. I remember him giving sermons on things like everything is either for God or against God. 
name any song and I'll tell you how it's for or against God. (laughs) And, you know, people would yell out like some rap songs and he'd be like, that rapper's talking about gang banging or whatever. That's against God. And I'd be like, what about Hannah Montana? Like she's singing about friendship. Like that has nothing to do with God, but it's not against him and he's like well god values friendship so we can put that in the for god category and this was like a game that he would play a lot like during service was he would just play music and have us say like what the message was and if it was good or if it was bad but very often in the black baptist church they do um an invitation at the end which it's called opening the doors to the church which is like if you have a prayer request that you want to announce to everyone or if you want to give your life to Christ if you want to get baptized if you want to join the church officially as a member this is the time where you can like go walk up to the front and tell the pastor that and so in youth church the youth pastor would often like the doors to the church would be open for like 20 30 minutes and the the keyboardist would just be playing and playing and playing and we'd all be sitting there like starving like it's 2 p.m can we please go home um and he'd be like i know that somebody in this room has something on their heart and we're not leaving until it is spoken (laughs) and we would all just like look around at each other and be like who's gonna take one for the team and i kid you not we would talk to each other and we would plan and we would pick someone and If it was my day, I would just walk up to the front and make something up. (laughs) Like, I lied to a teacher this week about whatever. It's really weighing on me. Like, please pray for me. I'm really hurting just because we wanted to leave. It was ridiculous. And I mean, look, this is coming from like primo Christian girl over here. Like, I was president of the youth group. I was there constantly. I had like a crush on the youth pastor. So I was like, anything that you want me to help out with, like I will do. I wrote and directed the youth play one year. I was constantly like bringing friends to church because my friends that weren't Christian, I was told were going to hell. And I was so like concerned with making sure that I saved their souls. But when I think back on it, like the core of my belief was really that if Christians were right if what this church is preaching is correct then if I don't subscribe to it I'm going to hell but if I follow it and I die and it turns out that we were wrong and somebody made this up where it wasn't true then nothing bad happens to me like either I die and there's just nothing or I get reincarnated I can come back as a blade of grass or I get a planet like everything that I had learned about other religions did not have this like hell and I was just like okay I mean it's not hard to not kill people not lie not steal um well actually okay not lying was probably (laughs) always been my most difficult sin unfortunately um but I was like you know it's not hard to not have sex not do drugs like I'm going to be fine. I'm going to make it. I'm going to I'm going to be in the chosen few of heaven. But then shit hit the fan when it was brought to my attention that my best friend would potentially not be in that chosen few. And I was like, I am not trying to go to a heaven that he cannot be in with me like full stop. Goodbye. And also, as I got older, I just started noticing things that bothered me. Like I learned that women were not allowed to teach at this church. So like if my mom wanted to teach a Sunday school class, she can teach a women's class or she can teach a youth class, provided that any males are in there are under 18. But if there are over 18 males and the teacher has to be a man. And I was like, why? 
who says that men are better teachers, who says that men know more, like where does it say in the Bible that women can't teach? Um, and I know that's a whole debate in the Christian community, not getting into it here, but that really bothered me. I was also really bothered by when Obama came out in support of gay marriage. The pastor said in his sermon that week, and this wasn't the youth pastors, it was like the regular church pastor, um, said, I'm sure we all witnessed Obama's faux pas in the news last week. And I was just like, it wasn't a faux pas. Actually, it was a great thing. So what's wrong with you? That really bothered me, especially because this pastor had also said in a sermon, everyone needs to vote for Obama. And he didn't have anything. He didn't have any specifics to back it up besides Obama's black and we're black, <laughs> you know, black power. And then also as the youth ministry, we started like partnering with some other churches where like we would go visit a church or like that church would come visit us. It was usually a white church. So the pastor would always make sure to tell us like when you guys, like they would give us lunch those days if there was like a partnership thing and we brought another church in. And the pastor would always be like, make sure you guys are mingling. Make sure that, um, that you know, we're, we're not like having segregated tables here, like sit together and intermingle. Um, and I just like, those were the only Sundays that we would like see white people because anytime that a white person entered the church, like they weren't asked to leave, but I'm sure if you're a white person listening to this, please email me, Instagram me, let me know how many times in your life you have ever been the only white person in the room, because I'm going to guess that it's next to never. And it's just, I think white people would enter and they would see a room full of black people and they would get really uncomfortable because they've never been in the minority before. And they would just back away and leave. And very rarely would anybody ever like chase after them and try to get them to stay. And the sentiment of the church members was kind of like, it's not that they're not welcome here, but if they're going to walk away because they're uncomfortable, if there's too many black people, we don't care because we're not interested in integrating this church. Like we like that this is a black church. This is our safe space. You know, we are, we're only seeing white people every other day of the week. All the kids are going to school. They're the only black kid in the classroom. Like let this be the place where they see other black people. Which that I don't have an issue with, but it was just the like the idea of you're not unwelcome here, but also you're not welcome here that I didn't love. So I had friends that grew up in that church that have since come out and I hate to know how uncomfortable they were at that church. Really the last straw for me was that I was the last person on the planet to find out that my best friend was gay. <laughs> and I I will never forget it because I found out on Facebook while I was studying abroad in London and I didn't have an international phone plan. So I couldn't call him. I was like trying to text him and Snapchat him on the Wi-Fi, and he wasn't responding to me. So I ended up Snapchatting his roommate. And then like we ended up dating because like, of that interaction. But we are not here for that story. But yeah, I just was... It's not even like shock, like, oh my God, I can't believe he's gay. It was shock that like, he let me find out on Facebook. <laughs> what? And I had months left of the semester abroad. And then I got home and had to wait for the summer to end for everyone to go back to school. And then like, as soon as the fall came, I just like drove to Springfield <laughs> and like showed up at his house and was like, what the hell is happening? Like, what's going on? And... 
we had like a talk about it. And I think essentially it kind of, I mean, there was a lot of other stuff going on in his life and how he wanted to tell people. And, you know, I respect that it is what it is, but I think a lot of it also boiled down to like, Hey, you still go to that church that teaches that I'm an abomination and I'm terrible. And like, I had a terrible experience there. And that's like a huge part of your life and your faith is very important to you. And like, I would never ask you to walk away from that. And I'm sitting there like, wait, 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 like you are my person, like my person. I would kill for you. I would die for you. Like when I tell you, like I would do anything for this man. Like he literally is the most important human to me that has ever lived And I'm just sitting there like, if you thought for a second that I would not accept you, any part of you at all, ever, then I'm a shitty friend and I have screwed up and not let you know how much I love you. But at the same time, I am not interested in being a part of any organization that wouldn't accept you because that is like full stop canceled goodbye forever for me. More recently, this church, literally y'all, like I think it was 2020. Was it 2020? This church had a young adult meeting about how to react and respond to homosexuals. (laughs) And I'm sitting here like, the answer is the same way that you would react and respond to literally anyone else. Explain to me again what the meaning is about. So of course I go to this meeting because I know who's hosting it and I know who's attending it. And I know that not a single gay person is a part of this meeting. And I am just sitting there like, I can't even believe that you guys are having an event like this. This is absurd and it's harmful and it's wrong. And the people that were hosting it, I sent them and I gave I sent them all of these podcasts and books, all of this information about like gay Christians that are on side A, gay Christians that are on side B, um, gay people that have left the faith, people that have come to the faith after being gay, mixed orientation, marriages, like there, there are all of these different aspects to that conversation and they were not considering any of it. And I got so pissed off during the meeting. I ended up just like left the Zoom. But and that was only a couple of years ago. So that was like confirmation that like this is not the place for me. Cannot be a part of it. You people are crazy and just like teaching bullshit that's not helping anyone and is actively harming people. Um, And that's just like I cannot get behind it. Like cannot, will not. I can't. And as a result of attending that meeting, I reconnected with somebody that was very active in the youth group with me growing up. And I had like a long conversation with him and he was very like, I totally understand how you're feeling. Like, I'm so sorry that like there wasn't more like education around this event because he was supposed to be on the group of people that was like helping plan it. And it turns out that like what he thought the event was, was completely different than what it was. And so I was like, are you an idiot? Or did you just not talk to the rest of the planning committee? Because I had two conversations and found out what this was and that it shouldn't be happening. But anyways, that man, like when I was talking to him, we were just catching up on like how, you know, life had been because he still is involved with that church and I'm very not. So I was learning about like where his life has gone and sharing with him where my life has gone. And in the course of that conversation, we talked about sex and I was telling him about 
the many terrible sexual experiences that I have had. And I, I'll tell you guys that story another time. This is not the time for it. Um, but I was telling him about how like I prayed so much over the decision because it wasn't something that I wanted to do. And then it just like I was repeatedly like hurt and abused by men. And uh, y'all, when I tell you his face lit up <laughs> and he was like, yo, that was God answering your prayer though, right? Like that's why he's telling you like, yes, you have to wait. And he had to teach it to you over and over again because you weren't listening. And the way that I had to stop him and say, sir, did you just tell me that I was, I have been sexually harassed and assaulted and literally raped because God is punishing me for not waiting until I got married? please tell me that's not what you just said. And he was like, God works in mysterious ways. Like you never know. And I was like, I'm done. The place has brainwashed you. I can't. I can't. But so let's rewind to the end of college. So I have just decided to stop going to this church. I have come back from studying abroad in London. I am living at home with my parents my last year of school. My dad is extremely upset with me for not going to the church anymore because I think he felt like by leaving the church, I was leaving the faith. I wanted to take a break from church. And I think that was also an issue to him where if I had said like, I have this other church that I'm going to start going to right now, I think he would have been more open to the idea of me not going to his, but I had to start locking my door on Sunday morning so that he wouldn't come in and tell me I have to go with him. Cause I was like, I'm an adult. I'm not going there. But anyways, okay. So in one of my film classes, there was a guy who had gone to the church that I was raised in when I was very young, like I think he, his family might've moved away when I was like in middle school, but he remembered me and we met for coffee one day, had like a deep talk about everything. And he was like, you need to come to church with me. Like, this is going to save your life. Like, please come to church with me. I didn't even question it. I just like met him and his mom, um, one Sunday and then the following Sunday went with him and his girlfriend. And then I joined the church like immediately. I highly recommend not doing that. I did go there for the first year without any issue. And then I moved to LA for a hot second. And then when I came back from LA, I think I just took a break again until I moved out of my parents' place. And then once I was living on my own, I started going to the church again. And that's when I really wanted to get involved and I wanted to audition for the worship team. And so this church is a local mega church. It's got like four campuses, each one seats probably two to 3,000 people, and it is primarily white people. I did find it very distracting that every time I was there, I was counting all of the brown bodies that I could find. If you are not a person of color, this is counting is a thing that we do everywhere we go all the time. We are not taught to do it. We all just do it constantly and it's very distracting. It takes time away from other things. So I love to be in spaces that are so diverse that my brain doesn't do that. 
But at this point, since I had just returned from LA and everything, the newer youth pastor at my parents' church, he and I met for coffee or something. And I had told him that I had left and was going to this new church. And he was like, oh, I know one of the pastors there. Let me get you guys connected to make sure that you get plugged in and that you're really involved and you're not just watching. And if you can feel where this is going, it wasn't good. So this pastor sets up monthly meetings with me and I did not enjoy it, but I didn't feel like you could tell a pastor, no, I don't want to meet with you. So every month I'm meeting with this woman and she's telling me that I can't audition for the worship team because she wants to work on some stuff with me, but she couldn't tell me specifically what it was that she wanted to work on with me. And then there are these, all of these classes that you have to take before you can volunteer. So this church doesn't have a membership policy in the way that like at the church I was raised in, you would like walk to the front of the church during the invitational time and you would say like, hi, I'm new to town. I want to join the church. And then there's like a little form that you would fill out basically just to get your contact information and stuff. And then they get you like on the on the list of members, I guess. I don't know. Um, But so this church didn't have anything like that. It was just that to be a quote unquote member, it just means that you've taken these three classes and they actually are very interesting classes. One of them talks about, you learn about conflict resolution. One of them, you learn about the church history. Also, the pastor shares his entire life story when he started working with the church and there's a open Q&A for people to ask any question that they want of the pastor, and he stays until the very end of the night, like until everyone has asked what they wanted to ask. And so I really did like the availability of him. It's such a big church, and the openness and the encouragement to ask questions, because that was something that was really dismissed at the church that I grew up in. I really appreciated like the candor. I thought he was cool. I thought the, I honestly still think the pastor at this church is awesome. And then the third class is gives you an overview of other major world religions. And I thought that was really cool. Like I really liked learning about other things because the idea is that like, how can you even definitively say that this is what you want and what you subscribe to if you don't even know what else is out there? Like I really liked that. These classes are offered by the semester, so it takes like a year and a half to get through all three of them. And after I completed them, the pastor was telling me, okay, so now that you've done that, you need to volunteer in a different area that's not worship for three months before you're eligible to audition for the worship team. And I'm sitting there like, lady, I just spent a year and a half taking classes. Like I could have been volunteering somewhere else while I was doing that. Like why, why did you wait to tell me? But I'm just like, whatever, it's three months, not a big deal. So I volunteer on the welcome team for three months and I absolutely hate it because it just feels so fake to me to have to plaster a smile on your face and be like, oh my gosh, hi, welcome to church. When really like I had no friends. I was in a small group that only did small talk every single week. And like when we would be going through the discussion questions, people would say like, oh, I relate to that. And I'd be like, okay, how do you relate to it? I've been through it before. Okay, can you give a little more specifics? (laughs) So I was literally in a small group, y'all, for like a year and a half (laughs) before one day I finally said... (laughs) 
like, Hey guys, does anyone else find it weird that we've all been in this group together for a year and a half? We've been consistently meeting every single week. And I don't know any of you any better than when we started. Like I, I can tell you where each of you works, but I don't like, we're not, we're not going there. Like we're not getting to know each other. And I guess that made them all super uncomfortable because as soon as I asked that question, nobody could answer it. And that was the last day that I got invited to any activities outside of the small group because, and I knew this because we met at a Panera and it was pretty typical that like we would do small group and then we would go bowling or ice skating or to forest park or whatever it was. And I stopped hearing about these things and they stopped talking about it during the small group. But so I would leave and I would always be the first one to leave and I would wait in my car and I would see all of them like getting into each other's cars. So I like knew that they were carpooling to go to some activity that like I wasn't invited to because I stir the pop. I wanted to be deep, God forbid. And that was something that I complained to the pastor about in my monthly meetings. So I was like, I just, I'm not understand. Like I'm just feeling like people are really surface level and really fake. Like everyone here is so happy. And I just don't think that's realistic. And she was like, well, you're depressed. So that's coloring the way that you look at the world, <laughs> whatever. So I then I'm volunteering on the welcome team and being fake and hating it. And I do that for three months. And then I'm like, can I audition for the worship team now? She's like, sure. Over the next eight months, my worship team audition gets scheduled and it gets canceled the night before, the day of, and sometimes an hour before, every time. And so I finally just email the worship pastor and I'm like, what's going on? Like, am I just not allowed to do this? Because I knew people that were on the worship team that I volunteered with on the welcome team or I did youth for a little bit. So I, I met people there and they're like, what's taking you so long to get on the worship team? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, and nobody else had this like ridiculous lengthy process. I could not find a single other person. It was just me because I had this special relationship with the pastor. And so the worship pastor got right back to me. He's like, I'm so sorry. I've had all these scheduling issues. Like if you could come in on your lunch break tomorrow, like I will audition you personally. And I was like, great. So I go in, I audition with him. He brought in another girl from the team to harmonize with me. It was awesome. We got along really well. It was so fun. And then he was like, okay, great. Like, I'm ready for you to start. So all you have to do now is fill out this questionnaire and then review it with a pastor. It usually takes like five to six months to get on one of our pastor's calendars. And I, and I see that you and one of our pastors already have a standing monthly meeting. So that's great. So you're already meeting with her next week. So just fill out the questionnaire in the next week and then discuss it with her. The questions on this questionnaire are like, are you sexually active? Are you same sex attracted? Are you currently in a relationship with a member of the same sex? Are you married? If yes, does your spouse attend this church? If no, explain why your spouse does not attend this church. If you're single, do you agree to celibacy for the duration of your volunteer role or whatever? And I'm sitting there like, it's not your business. Like what on earth? And so when I met with the pastor, I was telling her, I was like, hey, so I'm sure that I answered all of these questions to the church's satisfaction, but I just want to go on the record and say I'm very uncomfortable with being asked and to essentially have to sign a paper to say that I'm going to be celibate. Like, I'm going to be real with you. 
I'm not having sex because I'm not interested in sex and I'm not in a relationship, but I could change my mind tomorrow. And if I do, I'm not going to call and tell you. She said, well, I know that you've had a really dark sexual past and like you really need some healing there. And so it's good that you're agreeing to celibacy. And quick aside, I did confide in her about the assault a few months after it happened. And her response to me, she's like, did you report it? And I was like, no. And she's like, may I ask why? And I said, yes, because I am a black woman and he is mixed, but he's white passing and we live in Missouri and I have no proof and I didn't get a rape kit and I don't want to have to tell my parents that this happened so that my dad can pay for a lawyer for a case that I'm definitely going to lose. Like I've seen in every episode of SVU, I know how this goes down. And she said, well, my concern is that you've put a predator out on the streets. (laughs) And I just hated her. I literally had to explain what victim blaming was to her. And I just wish I had had the tools to be like, I'm done meeting with you at that time. But I digress. She also told me that anyone had to fill out the questionnaire for any volunteer role. And I was like, really? Because you had me be a counselor at youth camp and I didn't fill this out. There wasn't even any training or background check. And I didn't have to fill it out to do on the welcome team either. So it seems like it's only the worship team that has to do this. Hmm. And then she told me that she didn't feel like I was ready. So I could join the worship team on a probationary period and I just I couldn't find anyone else who had a probationary period and then there was another class she wanted me to take it was for like people that have experienced previous church hurt and I absolutely hated it it was basically group therapy but I'll also say that I'm glad that I took it because that class was absolutely transformational for me I did meet a girl in that class who really changed my life and I wish that I could remember her name so that I could reach out to her and thank her. But she took me out to dinner one night and she said, hey, I've been listening to you talk every week now and I know that you have a lot of anger that is stemming from a place of like, you were taught that God works a certain way that isn't true and I need to let you know that you believe that everything you do And everything that happens to you is a direct correlation to something that you have said or done and a reflection of God's love for you. And that's not biblical and it's not true and it's harmful and you need to fix that. And she really was the first person to ever explain to me how prayer works and how good God is. This is the girl that explained to me that like you can't earn your way into heaven and you can't earn God's love and that if you're at church seven days a week because you're in 75,000 committees and you're spending five hours a day reading the Bible trying to get God to reward you like he's not rewarding that because you're not really being engaged with the word you're not really spending time with him you're just doing things and going through the motions and checking things off a list to try to get something from him. So jumping ahead again, because I told you guys a few years ago, you know, I had a conversation with a guy after the stupid conversation about the gays that my parents' church had. And the guy said like, oh, that was God answering your prayer. Like when we had that conversation, I had the tools to say that was absolutely not God answering my prayer because God isn't mean and God doesn't hurt us. 
to answer our prayers. Yes, God can teach us things while we are in pain, but God holds us and God helps us and God walks with us and brings us into the light. He is not malicious. He is not manipulative. And God is not out here stabbing you because you didn't listen to something that he told you to do when you were six. Like that's just not how it works. The other thing that I learned at that church, or I guess not really learned, but I came to believe after attending that church that children should not get baptized. I don't think that anyone should get baptized until they are an adult because I think that in order to make that decision, you have to have lived life and you have to have experienced things. You have to have had a need to rely on God. So all in all, even though the the larger experience of the church was not good, there were these pockets of beauty where when I was a part of this church, I read the Bible cover to cover. I really started to study the Bible and I took the time to decide for myself that I wanted to be a Christian and that I wanted to know God and that I wanted to pray. And it it was at this church that it was finally became something I wanted to do for me and not something that I did just because my parents required it. I ended up leaving the church because the one friend that I made in my small group, like the one genuine friend who is still my friend to this day that I met at that church, I was talking to him about the whole thing and really just pouring my heart out about how bad I wanted to be on the worship team. And he was a brand new Christian at the time. I mean, he had gotten saved like two, three weeks prior to this conversation. And he said, I know you've been doing church a whole lot longer than me, so forgive me if I'm totally out of line here, but it sounds to me like you are putting a lot of time and energy into a group that doesn't want you. And what if you don't join the worship team? What if you just stop? What if you leave our small group that you hate? What if you stop meeting with this pastor because you're angry every time you get out of talking to her? What if you don't go here anymore? the biggest light bulb went off. I was like, yeah, what if I do? And I did it. I just like quit all the things, walked away and I felt amazing. And I had such peace and just the weight lifted and the sadness went away and the anger went away. And that's when I really put work into finding a church home. This turned out to be way longer than I expected, so I'm going to pause here and I will pick up with part two of this next week. I will also do the hard convo of the week and the movie wreck next week um, because I really don't want these to be absurdly long because I know people don't have time and no one wants to listen to me talk for an hour. Also, there were some hard conversations in there, right? So there you go. Okay, bye. I'm not here to sugarcoat, I'm sorry about you. Too much shelter causes pain, let's just be real honest. Things are gonna knock you down, avoidance will not help you out. Let's talk it through, you me and you. Let's keep it real honest.